Amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Goff. I love you and your family very, very much. Amen. We're going to get into the word of the Lord here tonight. And um, um, I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. I want to get right into it because I'm trying to finish this lesson before the end of the year. In fact, I told Brother Goff that if I wasn't so set of trying to get this finished, he'd be preaching tonight. And uh, But I want to get this done. And uh, tonight's the last opportunity I have before the end of the year. I do covet your prayers tonight. I, I uh, have been battling all day today. I know the Lord will touch me and help me. He always comes through. First Timothy chapter 2 and beginning with verse 1. Paul says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. This has been our text. I think this is part five of this lesson, um, and it is it is the concluding lesson of our series we started in January for new converts. And this is why I really would like to get this done tonight, if the Lord will help me. I not making any promises, but we're going to try. And um, but this this passage has been our text because the apostle Paul starts out by saying, "I exhort that first of all." And we have stressed the importance of prayer, but it continues to be our text because of what he says after first of all, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight as we continue this lesson. On the power of prayer. Would you put your Bibles down, lift your hands, lift your voices, and let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. I really need His touch tonight. Let's talk to the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise him, everybody. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. 
I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I really don't want to spend a lot of time in review because I want to do my best to try to, as I said, complete this lesson tonight. And um, so uh, I will, because it has been a couple of weeks, and last week we took a break from it, and, and I just talked to you from my heart. Um, and uh, because it's been a couple of weeks, um, I, I do feel like I need to at least touch on a few things here by way of review. So we, we mentioned the fact, again, that Paul says, first of all, supplication, prayers, intercession, giving of thanks be made. And we've stressed the fact that when God says something is to be first, he means that very literally. Um, we've discussed the fact, and I don't want to get too sidetracked on this, but we've discussed the fact that our tithe is not just 10%. It's the first 10%. And, and that's the way we ought to see it. There shouldn't be anything else that comes out of our account before the tithe comes out. If there is, then it's not first fruits. And God wants first. And the first fruit of our day ought to be time spent talking to God. It ought to be first on our agenda, first on our list of priorities. We need to visit with Him. We want to develop a relationship with God. We can't go throughout the day and not speak to Him. What would your, those of you that are married, what would your marriage be like if you got up every morning and never said anything to your spouse till the end of the day? You wouldn't have much of a relationship. We want to have a relationship with God. I think we ought to let God know that that relationship and that time spent with Him is the most important aspect of our lives. It is the first thing we do. I've talked about how important prayer is. It is more important than anything else. As much as I believe in holiness, prayer is more important. It doesn't mean we can neglect holiness. It just means that if we have holiness without prayer, really all we have is self-righteousness. As important as outreach is, prayer is more important. Because our outreach is going to be wasted if it's not seasoned with prayer. Can I say to our young preachers, we haven't had an M&M class tonight, so count this comment as December's M&M. But if you don't season your message with prayer, you're wasting your time talking. 
Well, hallelujah. You're wasting your time and everyone else's time if your message is not seasoned with prayer. Our worship ought to spring from prayer. And I believe in worship, but it ought to come from a life that is filled with prayer. I've said before, hell is not afraid of a big church. It's not afraid of a wealthy church. Not even necessarily afraid of a worshiping church. But what makes hell tremble is a praying church. Hallelujah. Now we've, we've spent some weeks talking about having an effectual prayer life. We went to the book of Daniel. We looked at what Daniel had to say. And as I've pointed out to you, I think Daniel uh, is well qualified to teach us on prayer. Now he really wasn't writing the things that he wrote to teach us about prayer. He was just showing us his own prayer. But his prayer really can be a great model for us if we will pay attention to what Daniel did and how he prayed. We have no doubt that Daniel had an effectual prayer life. And the thing that Daniel showed us in his prayer, there were four parts to his prayer. We talked about those. We've spent time on those. He started with the phrase, O Lord, hear. And that is the process of getting God's attention. And then he moved from there into, O Lord, forgive, which is the process of finding God's favor. Because you can't find God's favor if there's sin in your life. And then he went on to, O oh Lord, hearken, which is, as Brother Goff said, the way most of us spend our time praying. It is just that process of making our petitions known to God. And unfortunately, for some of us, that's all that God ever hears. He gets our wish list and nothing else. Now, there's a place for presenting our wish list. But it needs to be preceded by these other things that we've talked about. You need to make sure God's listening. Make sure you have the attention of God before you start giving him your list. You need to make sure everything is right between you and God before you start giving him your list. And then the final thing is, he said, do, defer not. And that is the process of expecting God's response. We referred to this as having now faith. The word defer means to postpone or put off. And Daniel was saying, God, I want you to do this and I don't want you to wait. I want you to do it now. Praise God. And we ought to pray that way. Every prayer we pray ought to be conditioned. It, it ought to be based upon now faith. Expecting God to do it now. And at the same time understanding that there are some things that again as Brother Goff said 
we have to just keep making the sacrifice. Or as I put it in, in our last lesson, you keep making those layaway payments. You keep going back asking again and again, each time asking God do it now. But when he doesn't, you don't get discouraged and quit. You keep praying. And you keep asking God now. Amen. Now, having said all that, we want to move into another area here tonight. And this is where I want to spend the rest of the evening. And perhaps, perhaps we can get through this and finish this lesson tonight. Uh, we will... We will see uh, how all that comes out. But tonight I want to talk about something that's really a part of this, O oh Lord, here. We're going a little deeper into that particular aspect, and that is getting the attention of God. Because I want you to know that getting God's attention sometimes requires that you learn some things about Him. You can't always just walk in and, uh, as I said, start laying things out before God and just expect that God is going to hear an answer. You've got to learn some things about God. Now, let's, let's go to the book of Esther, chapter 4, and uh, verse number 11. I want to show you something here, Esther, chapter 4, and verse number 11. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king into the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death. Now, now please notice this. Who's speaking here? Esther. What is Esther's position? She's the queen. But even the queen recognized there is a certain method of approach that I have to use. I may be his bride, but I don't just go prancing into the throne room. I don't just walk arrogantly before the king because the same rule applies to me even though I'm his wife, even though I'm the queen, the same rule applies to me, whoever it is. If he hasn't specifically called you, you got to recognize you're taking a chance. Whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king in the inner court who is not called. What did she say? There is one law of his. There is one law of his. To put him to death. To put that person to death. Read. Except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter. Unless the king holds out his golden scepter. That he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these 30 days. Now she was the king's bride. She was the queen over this kingdom which spread across most of the then known world. But she knew. She had to be accepted in her approach. I can go in without him calling me in. But when I go in, I have to be accepted. 
There's a right way and a wrong way to come before the king. And, and Esther went in with a reverential fear. As I said, she wasn't arrogant. She didn't go in and make demands. She knew that she had to approach the king properly if she wanted to get her request answered. Even the queen had to respect the office being approached. And so it is with us. We are the bride of Christ. He wants to hear from us. But saints, I want you to know we've got to understand that there's a right way and a wrong way to go before the king. Listen to Psalm 65 and verse 4. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee. The psalmist made it clear that if God doesn't make that choice, if God doesn't cause us to come into his throne room, we're not getting there. We've got to be accepted by him. And so let me tell you that what we've got to do is we've got to learn to find the approach that God is desiring at the moment. Because there's not one size fits all in this. What worked yesterday may not work today as far as getting the king's attention. We've got to know how to go before him. And we've got to learn what he's desiring at that moment. Now, John chapter 6, verse 44, listen to what Jesus says. No man can come unto me, come to me, except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus said, we're not going before the Father unless he draws us. And so to me, this is the whole process of God extending that golden scepter and saying, all right, I will accept you. Come before my throne and make your petition known. It's not just up to us. God is not our slave. And God is not Santa Claus. That we draw up our list and expect him to fill it. We've got to learn what is the proper way of approaching God. Now, Elder, Elder Verbal Bean called these channels of approach. We've got to learn the right channel. You know, way back in the day, this, this predates 
um, many of you young people, but you truckers understand what I'm talking about. There was a period of time in the 70s when it became very popular for people to put CB radios, citizen band radios in their cars. And everybody had a CB radio in their car. And I mean, I, I can remember some guys really got into it. And they'd get those antennas that were 30 feet high, you know. They'd be driving down the highway and have that thing whipping behind them. They wanted to make sure they could get through. And I, I remember that. I remember being a part of that. That was right at the time when I was in my early years of driving. The mid to late 70s. And I had a CB radio. And, and I remember, I remember that, you know, there was one channel, channel 19, I think, that was, it was kind of the, the public channel that everybody knew you could get on channel 19 and if you, if you wanted to talk to somebody, but, but everybody was on channel 19. And, and you might talk and somebody else that's got a more powerful radio would just override what you're trying to say. And you want to you want to carry on a conversation? You might tell them, "Hey, drop down to channel whatever," and the two of you would go to a separate channel, and you'd be able to carry on conversation on that channel. And if somebody you're trying to get a hold of happened to be on channel five, and you're on channel nineteen, you can call for them all you want to. They're not going to answer because they're not on that channel. Are you understanding me tonight? And what I'm telling you is in the same way there are some times that God is in a certain channel. And you can cry out to him all you want, but if you're not in that channel, you're not going to find him anywhere. And so you've got to learn that channel of approach. So, and, and here's some reasons why. Let me say this, and then we're going to go to we're going to go back to our text. But but there are some reasons why you should learn these channels of approach, these these ways of coming before God. Uh, for one thing, it helps you. It 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 broadens your prayer life. You don't get stuck in the rut of just doing the same thing and saying the same thing every time you pray. And listen to me, saints, this is the reason why some of you get so discouraged in your prayer life. Because, you know, it worked yesterday and it worked the day before and one day you go to God and you're just doing the same thing you always do and God is nowhere to be found. And the next day, God's nowhere to be found and you're thinking, God, what in the world? Well, this is why you've got to learn what, what channel is God on today? And you got to seek after him. So it will allow you to broaden your prayer life by experiencing other ways to approach God and not just get stuck in a rut. It'll build your faith. I'm going to talk about one of these channels that requires a whole lot of faith to just keep praying. We, I think most of us, if you've got any experience in prayer, there have been times when you've been able just to 
kneel down and immediately you felt the presence of God. In fact, there have been times before I ever knelt down, I felt the presence of God. There have been times the Lord's awakened me in the night and I felt him there. Before I ever said a word, I knew he was there. But there's been a whole lot of times that I prayed and prayed and prayed. And I'm thinking, God, are my prayers even getting beyond this ceiling right now? Now, some of you are so spiritual, you've never been there. But I have. Praise God. So, there's, there's times when you have to pray without a feeling. And that's when it requires faith. And then the third reason why you need to learn these things is because it it will help you to avoid confusion as to why isn't God listening right now. It will also help you to avoid wasted effort when you prayed all this prayer and God hadn't heard a word you said. So let's talk about these channels of approach. Let's go back to our text, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 1. I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, each of these four are a different way of approaching God. Supplication. Everyone say supplication. Everyone say prayer. Everyone say intercession. Everyone say giving thanks. Each of those is a separate way of approaching God in your prayer. And we're going to talk about them. Now, I'm not going to take them in the order Paul listed them here, and I'll explain why in just a moment. Um, I thought about it. I I could have, but but I'm, I'm trying to do this in a certain way methodology tonight so just bear with me we're going to start with rather than starting with supplication we're going to go to the second one listed here and we're going to talk about just the word prayer now by this I believe that what Paul is discussing is simply an expression of your heart's desire Romans chapter 10 verse 1 says something interesting Romans 10 and 1 Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now, don't be confused by this word and. The word and in the original language comes from the Greek word chi. And chi can be interpreted and, but it can also be interpreted even. So let's read that again. Brethren, my heart's desire, even my prayer to God. Not like prayer is something different from your heart's desire, but Paul's clarifying my heart's desire, that is my prayer. So when you're just praying, you're just talking to God. You're just Telling God what it is your heart wants. Now, 
this is, and here's the reason why I wanted to start with this one, because this is the most shallow of all the approaches to God. Um, Daniel used this. Listen to Daniel 9, verse 20. And while I was speaking. While I was speaking. And praying. And praying. And confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. I think another translation says, while I was speaking in prayer. And so this, this is, Daniel is just talking to God. He's not yelling. He's not weeping. He's just carrying on a conversation with God. My sister-in-law was just with us Sunday. Her dad had, had such a unique prayer life. And, and I don't know how many hours I spent praying with that man. But he just had this prayer life where many, many times he would just walk in. He would sit down on the front pew and he'd start talking as though God was just his next door neighbor. And he'd just carry on this conversation. Now, God, you know so-and-so across the street. You know, they're, they're really going through some things right now. And. God, it just, it'd really be great if you'd just help them through this difficult time. And, and I, he's talking just like that. And many times that was, that was the extent of his prayer. And yet many of those prayers God answered. There is a place for just talking to God. You're not... As I said, you're not yelling, you're not getting red in the face, you're not weeping. You're just sharing your heart's desire. Now, now listen, here's the problem with that. When you're doing that, there is seldom any feeling with it. And that's why I said earlier, there's one of these channels that requires a lot of faith, and that's this one. Because if you're just talking to God, you're just communicating with God, you're just sharing your heart's desire with God, and you don't feel anything, it's hard sometimes to just keep doing that. Because you don't know if he's listening or not. But I'm going to tell you, there are sometimes that's all God wants from you. He wants you to do this because you know you need to do it, not because you're feeling lightning from heaven. Sometimes he wants you praying by faith. God, I don't know if you're listening or not, but I'm going to talk to you because I know I need to. And so you just lay it out. Now, now let me tell you, church, I... I I don't believe that we should just get to the place that this is all we ever seek for. And unfortunately, that is all some people have in their prayer life. I don't think that that should be the norm for us. I think that, and, and, and most people, I think, are going to start there. And that's why I've chosen to pull that one out of the list and start there in my explanation. 
because most of the time that's where we're going to start. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I Maybe I'm being too transparent tonight, but I'm not so spiritual that the minute I start praying, I can start talking in tongues. Some people do, but generally when I start my prayer, I'm just talking to God. And, and there's a lot of times that I'm not feeling one thing when I start. But I'm not going to be satisfied to just stay there. I want to get to that place in my prayer where I do know he's listening. And to me, this is kind of like when we would get on that CB radio and we'd say, you know, let, let's drop down to channel five or whatever. What, what, what we're saying is, okay, I found you, but let's get off into our little private spot here. Let's go somewhere else where there's not all the interruptions and all the distractions and all the noise. And so when you start out with just prayer, you, you need to be pushing, you need to be looking, you need to be feeling after something much deeper than this. Sometimes it won't come. And, and can I just, I'm just going to throw this out, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but, but let me tell you, when you cannot get beyond this, always start checking to see if there's any sin in your life. Make sure there's not something blocking the other channels. God, is there something in me? Cleanse me. Which I've, I've taught you, you need to make this a part of your prayer anyhow. God, cleanse me, purge me, wash me. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. I, I make that a part of every prayer. And it's not vain repetition to me. I mean it when I say it. I want God to cleanse anything in me that's not like Him. And so this is where if you've got a problem with a brother or a sister, get that taken care of. Make sure that the channel is clear. Yes. Well, hallelujah. Make sure there can be a free flow. And there's nothing blocking that. But if there's nothing blocking it and you still can't get any deeper than that, then you just keep praying and talking to God. Hopefully, however, you'll push into a deeper level. And that level is what we are calling supplication. That was the first thing that Paul listed. It's our second here. And I believe that Paul listed it first because it ought to be our first attempted approach. I think that ought to be our goal. First of all, we want to get into supplication. Can't always start there. In fact, I think we can rarely start there unless it's one of those times, like I said, when God just shows up before you start praying or shows up the minute you start praying. Most of the time you won't start with supplication, but that ought to be the level we want to reach. That ought to be our goal is to at least get to supplication if we don't go any further. But I put it second because it is a deeper level. And so we're trying to go, we're trying to go into levels of prayer here. And the most shallow is just talking to God. 
But we want to go deeper than that. And so we go to supplication. Ephesians 6 verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And so here he mentions supplication twice in this one verse. Supplication really involves a spirit of prayer. And if, if you've got any kind of prayer life, you know what I mean by a spirit of prayer. Because there are those times, as I said, you're just talking to God, you're just communicating with God. But there are other times when there's a spirit of prayer that rests on you. You feel the unction of prayer. You feel the urgency of prayer. You feel the flow of prayer. You feel the presence of God in that. There's a spirit of prayer. Sometimes it's accompanied by weeping. Sometimes it's accompanied by speaking in tongues. But it's a deeper level than just prayer itself. I hope you're understanding tonight. I hope you're, I hope you're getting this tonight. Now, now, during this time, you will make requests for yourself and for others. And again, be specific, church. As I said before, general prayers very seldom get any kind of results because they require no faith. And faith is absolutely essential to please God. Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, you cannot please God. You cannot please God. And it just doesn't require any faith to say God move, God stir. That requires no faith. But when you start naming names and you start putting dates You start getting specific, it requires a lot more faith to pray that way. I mean, you think about some of the phenomenal prayers of the Bible. Elijah's prayer was, Lord, shut up the heavens until I say so. Well, that takes a lot of faith to pray that way. Takes a lot of faith, as we talked about, for Joshua to say, sun, stand still, moon, don't move. That takes a lot of faith. And God honors that kind of faith. He's looking for that kind of faith. So get into the spirit of prayer. Do your best to push past. And this is where you're going to have to get a hold of your thoughts and your mind. Push past just talking to God. And get into the spirit of prayer. Get into supplication. As I said, that ought to be your goal. You ought to be looking to at least go that deep. And then the third channel is intercession. That's the third thing that Paul mentioned here in, in our text. He talked about supplication, prayer, and then he said intercession. And so let's talk about intercession. Intercession is, we also call this travail. Now, interestingly, travail is the word that is used for a woman in labor. It's intense. 
Intercession is the most intense level of prayer that there is. It is the deepest place of prayer. And let me tell you that while supplication is making requests for yourself and for others, intercession will almost always be for somebody else. Almost all. Now, there are exceptions. But most of the time, when you really get into a spirit of intercession, it's going to be for someone else. This is where the Spirit is praying through you in groanings, in tongues. Now, look, I've said be specific in your prayers, and we should. But I'm telling you, there are some times when nothing will come out but a groan. And you say, well, what good are you doing there? Well, I want to tell you, what, what's going on is something very, very intense. Much like a woman in labor. The groan, the pain of childbirth. The Spirit is praying through you in groanings, in tongues. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, let me just say this by way of clarification. Just because you're praying and you're speaking in tongues. That does not necessarily mean you're interceding. That can be a part of supplication as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 14 and 15. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. And so... Just because you're praying and you start speaking in tongues does not mean you're interceding. If you've never been used to truly intercede, it's hard for you to comprehend what I'm talking about today. But, but this praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit, learning to pray in the Spirit is, is important. And I can tell you that when you really get into intercession, you will pray in the Spirit. But just because you pray in the Spirit doesn't mean you're into intercession. Amen. Sometimes praying in the Spirit is accomplishing something else. Read Jude chapter 1 verse 20. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the praying Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Sometimes praying in the Spirit is building your faith. Sometimes it is, as we read in Corinthians, God knows what you need better than you do, and the Spirit prays through you. Right. Well, hallelujah. So what then is intercession? Well, let me just put it this way. Intercession is a particular prayer for a particular need at a particular time. There's nothing generic about real intercession. 
Again, if we use this, this terminology of travail, if we use the analogy of a woman giving birth, then we understand the feeling of desperation and urgency that settles on you in that moment. Elder Bean put it this way, you feel you must have the answer or die. If you don't get the answer, you're not going to live. You can't stop. You can't quit. You've got to get an answer. Now, let me tell you, when it comes to real intercession, real intercession, I'm talking about deep travail. Now, it's possible to pray a prayer of intercession where you're standing between somebody and God and, you know, in a generic sense. But I'm talking about a level of prayer now. Can I tell you that, that not everybody is going to experience this? Because, get what I'm saying, if this is a particular need or a particular prayer for a particular need at a particular time, that God is wanting somebody to pray until the answer comes at that moment. And God's got to be able to trust you to do that. If he needs somebody to pray this thing through until the answer comes, he, he, can't, he can't move on somebody that's just going to give it a half-hearted effort and give up. He's got to know that he can trust you. When he moves on you, you're going to pray this thing through. If that means spending the entire night in prayer, whatever it means, it's not stopping until you feel the release in the spirit. Now, I'll tell you, there have been times that I've prayed until I was physically wasted and didn't have the strength to pray anymore yet I did not feel the relief and I'm going to tell you what I've had to do I've had to just take a break try to let my body rest for a minute and then come back and hit it again but God I'm not stopping until we get an answer That's what real intercession requires. Now listen, God knows what we need before we ever ask. But he has designed that we must ask before we receive. Do I need to say that again? God knows what we need before we ask. But he's designed that we have to ask before we receive. So just because he knows there's a need doesn't mean he's going to respond. He's waiting on you to get under this burden. Elder Bean made a statement. Um, he said, God doesn't care until we care. And then to prove that point, he said, if that's not the case, why are there still so many unchurched cities? 
Well, I understand what he was saying, but I have a hard time saying God doesn't care. So I understand what he meant, and, and far be it from me to think that I'm smarter or more spiritual than what Elder Bean was. But I prefer to say it this way, God doesn't move until we care. I believe he cares, but he doesn't respond until we care. So these cities can remain unchurched until somebody gets a burden. And listen to me, saints. Now, this is important. This is important especially with what's about to transpire around here for the next however many weeks. If you don't get a burden for this church and a burden for every service, God is not going to move. He's not just going to come down just because we need Him to come down. But God's going to wait until you care enough to get under the burden. Walk into this pre-service prayer time with your mind made up. We've got to have a move of God tonight. We cannot let the devil step in and destroy us. And we cannot let our own flesh reach a place where we're just growing content. And lackadaisical. apathetical oh well there's always next service no there may not be church I'm pleading with you tonight this is one of the reasons why I, I, I think I felt such an urge that I've got to get through this lesson tonight I'm telling you you've got to come into every service every service And make up your mind, I'm going to fight for this service tonight. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care what anybody else does. I've got to fight for this service tonight. I've got to pull down strongholds. I've got to see a move of God. We've got to have God do something in our midst. Now, now listen, intercession, intercession. I don't want to get too far off the subject or I won't get this lesson done. And it's already looking like I've, I've only got 15 minutes left and I've still got three pages. Um, but I've covered three pages. It's just taken me 45 minutes to get there. Um, intercession, when it comes to intercession, it will generally always lead to immediate results. Because that's the purpose of the intercession. Again, think about travail. Think about labor. 
When a woman is truly in labor, you got to see the result then. Isaiah 66, verse 8. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as, as, Zion, soon travailed, as Zion travailed, she brought forth, she her, brought children. forth her children. In true intercession, you can expect immediate results. I've heard many stories. I, I could tell you many stories. I don't have time to go into them. But I've heard many, many stories of people who were in a dire situation and said, God, please lay me on somebody's heart. And that person might be halfway across the world, but they would fall to their knees and begin to intercede. And then God would step in and respond and a miracle would come. And the, and the person would make note of the exact time. Sometimes God would even let them know who it was they were praying for. I remember hearing about one missionary who's, I think her child was at the point of death. And they were, they were traveling by boat to get to the foreign field. And she said, God, please, I don't want to bury my child at sea. Please don't let my child die. Lay this child on somebody's heart. And, and years later, she came back to the United States and somebody said, hey, I want to ask you a question. On such and such a day, at such and such a time, what was going on in your life? And she told them and they said, God woke me up and said to pray for you. And I prayed until I felt the answer come. That's what intercession is all about. It's not about some long-term thing. It's about we got to have an answer right now. This may be a life or death situation. Somebody may be about to make a decision that's going to forever impact their life. If it's not life or death, it could be life-altering. But something's got to be done right now. Yes, sir. Now listen, because of that church, it's most likely not going to happen during your regularly scheduled prayer time. Because life just has a way of crises not happening on our schedule. I don't know of any crisis I've ever experienced that happened on my schedule. It was always inconvenient. And this is where, as I said, God's got to be able to trust you. You may have already had your prayer time today. But all of a sudden, God moves on you that, hey, there's an urgent need. And you get under the burden. And you pray until an answer comes. Remember, it's a particular prayer for a particular need at a particular time. Now, in some regards, we could call this spiritual warfare. And in fact, I had, at one point, I'd thought about starting the year teaching on spiritual warfare. And um, Brother Hilton may do that. I don't know. I, I don't know what he's got planned. If he does, that's, that's fine. But, but this is something that we need to understand. This can be a part of spiritual warfare. 
Sometimes it's a matter of us praying because there is a demonic attack going on. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, there are some things that I want you to notice in this passage. He talks about taking on the whole armor of God, and you, you can be dressed in spiritual armor. But he only mentions two weapons. <coughs> there are only two weapons that are mentioned. Did you notice that? He talks about us having on a, uh, our, our, our shield, having, having um, our loins girt, our feet shod, uh, the helmet, the breastplate. But he only mentions two weapons. He said, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And many times we stop right there. But that's not where this stops. Because then he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Right. That's also a weapon. The word and prayer are the two weapons God gives us. The rest is armor to protect us. But we have two weapons. The word and prayer. And many times during spiritual warfare in prayer, you'll use the word against the spirit you're battling. Now, the other thing I want you to notice about this passage is it seems to address levels of spiritual force. Anybody notice that? Principalities, powers, rulers, and spiritual wickedness. Let's talk about that for just a moment. Principalities is from the Greek word arche. I don't know how many of you remember that way back when we started our lesson on the premier principles of God. We talked about this word arche, which means first. It references the first person or thing in a series. It is the leader. When we talk about archangels, we're talking about those that are the head over other angels. And so there are these, these things. This, these principalities are the arche. And then the word powers comes from exousia, which means authority. But, but this word can also be translated as a magistrate. 
One who has specific authority. So, so follow this. You've got your RK, your leader. Then you've got your magistrates. Then there as rulers. And this comes from a Greek word that means uh, a lord or a prince. And, and then he talks about spiritual wickedness in high places. And this phrase, high places, is really one Greek word, and it means the heavenly regions. So I'm telling you, it seems like there are levels of authority, spiritual authority. And we've got to learn how to attack those levels. And we've got to learn how to do battle until all strongholds are pulled down. We might conquer the low man on the totem pole. But there are bigger and worse demons. And we can't stop just because we get a little victory. In fact, it seems to me from the prophets that there are actually spirits that rule over cities. I know some people think this is crazy far out stuff. But it's biblical. Daniel chapter 10, verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. Now, now this, is, this is the angel talking to Daniel. He's not talking about a physical prince. He's talking about a spirit that ruled over that region. And then Ezekiel 28, verses 12 through 15. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in, the Eden, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, and uh, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle. And the gold and gold, the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes were prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that, that thou was created till iniquity was found in now, thee. Now, who is this talking about? Satan. But I want you to look again at verse 12 and see how he addresses this. What does verse 12 say? Son of man, take up a lamentation. Take up a lamentation upon the king, upon the king of, Tyrus. of Tyrus. Now again, he's not talking to a physical being. He's talking about someone that was on the mountain of God. Someone that was perfect when they were created. Someone who was the anointed cherub. But he refers to him as the king of Tyrus. So I'm telling you there are spirits that rule over areas. In fact, John even mentions churches that have a seat of Satan. Revelation 2, verses 12 and 13. I'm trying to hurry. 
Give me just a few minutes. I really only have a, a little bit more, and I'll be done. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where, the sea, where Satan's seat is. Now, he's writing to the church of Pergamos. And he said, I know that that's where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith, even in those days where, where an Antipas, which was my faithful martyr, who was slain among was you, slain among you where, Satan, where dwelleth. Satan dwelleth. Listen, Satan is not omnipresent. God is, but Satan's not. A lot of times people say, well, Satan, you know, Satan really bothered me today. Can I just be honest with you without deflating your ego too much? I, I doubt, I doubt that Satan's too worried about you. Satan himself. He's got other demons that can worry about you. Um, I mean, I really hate to burst your bubble, but he's got bigger fish to fry. And that's what he's trying to do. Fry everybody he can. But I'm just going to tell you, there, are, there is a demonic realm. And there are churches where demons set themselves up. And spirits get a stronghold. And they have to be battled. And, and there are times in prayer when we've got to fight against those forces. And sometimes that will take us into a spirit of intercession. And so, just to be clear, intercession can be both for the lost and or for deliverance from satanic forces. I hope, you, I hope you get that. Sometimes you can be interceding for the lost. Sometimes you can be interceding against demonic forces. Sometimes you may be interceding for someone's life or their health or other situations. So it can, it can involve individuals, whether lost or saved, but it can also involve demonic forces. And either of those things can take you into a spirit of intercession. So let me get into the last one here very quickly. So Paul mentions, he said, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and does anybody remember what the last one was? Giving of thanks. Thanksgiving is a channel of prayer. A lot of people get this... Don't, don't get this, and they miss it. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Watch in the same with thanksgiving. Can I tell you there are times when God will only accept our thanks. There have been times I've tried to pray, and I can't seem to get anywhere. I try to get into supplication. I can't get anywhere. I'm not feeling intercession for anything. 
And I just start giving God thanks. And all of a sudden, I feel his touch. There are just times that's all he wants. And if we don't learn this, we're going to miss a lot of opportunity of really spending time in the presence of God. Now, listen. The Bible's clear. Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Can I tell you that there are some times when you start out in that level of just prayer, just expressing your heart's desire, and you don't seem to be getting anywhere, and you try to push, you try to get somewhere you can't. Why don't you try entering into his gates with thanksgiving? Try just giving him thanks for some of the prayers he has answered. Try just telling him how much you appreciate the many times he has come through. You'll be surprised how often God shows up when you reach that channel of thanksgiving. You may not find him anywhere else, but you can find him there. Now, I mentioned missionaries. Um, I also read a story about a missionary, uh, a missionary's wife uh, who had been praying about some things and just didn't seem to be getting an answer. And, and as she was in prayer, God gave her a vision. And in this vision, he let down this empty basket in front of her. And she's looking at it, wondering at this empty basket. And God said, when you fill that with praise, I'll answer your request. And she started just thanking God and giving God praise and not asking God for anything. And she saw the basket raise up to heaven and God started answering her request. Listen, thanksgiving is an expression of absolute confidence and faith in God. When you start saying, thank you, Lord, for doing this. Thank you, Lord, for saving that person. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in the service tonight. Thank you. That's an expression of faith. And that touches the heart of God. Faith always moves God. Learn how to use that channel of thanksgiving. Someone once said, what if tomorrow we woke up and only had those things we had taken time to thank God for? I wonder how many things we would still have. Well, praise God. Now, I'm coming to a close. Musicians, you can come. My time is up and the lights are flashing and I guess that's the sign that I've been in restaurants where they start flashing the lights and they're trying to tell you it's time to go home. So I don't know who's controlling the lights tonight. I don't see anybody at the switch, but I see other people noticing it. So I guess that's the sign. It's time to close. But let me just tell you this. This doesn't mean that you'll only use one channel during a prayer time. It's possible you may use all of them. For example, you might start out with prayer. 
And then you move into supplication. At some point along the way, God puts a spirit of intercession on you. And when you feel the answers come, what do you do? You erupt with thanksgiving. And in that prayer time, you went through all four channels. But you talk about an effectual prayer life. When you're experiencing each of these channels, that's when you know your prayer life is really reaching the place God wants it to be. You're not stuck just doing the same thing and saying the same thing over and over and over. But you're learning more about approaching God properly. That's how to have a powerful prayer life. Let me close with this one scripture. Psalm 42 verse 7. Psalm 42 verse 7 says this. Deep calleth unto deep. Deep calleth unto deep. At the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy bellows are gone over me. I want to say to the truth, church, we are being called to prayer. There is a depth of prayer God wants us to reach in this coming year. Saints, would you make up your mind right now? You're going to try to find the deepest places of prayer that you can find. As you go deep in prayer, you're going to go deeper in your walk with God. You're going to find your faith growing. And you know what's going to happen when you start seeing your faith growing? Your prayers are going to be answered. And we're going to see God start filling this church. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. I'm believing that 2024 is going to be the year the rain comes. It's going to be the year of deluge. Hallelujah. The year of the outpouring. I'm just believing that's going to happen. But I'm going to tell you to get there, we're going to have to really go deeper in prayer. We're going to have to learn to do battle with the devil. We're going to have to learn to communicate with God in ways we've never done before. Deep is calling to deep tonight. As I said, I think in the very first part of this lesson, the greatest success in prayer is just to do it. Just do it. Just be consistent. I want to tell you, the more you pray, the more you want to pray. And unfortunately, the converse is just as true. The less you pray, the less you want. But may God's church, may this church, may the truth church be ever more diligent in spending time in effectual prayer. Let's stand and lift our hands to the Lord tonight, can we? Come on, let's talk to him right where you're at. I'm not going to give an altar call tonight. Let's just talk to the Lord right where we are. Hallelujah.
I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Take us deeper in your presence, God. Let us experience the joy and the power and the wonder of prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Well, hallelujah.